Hello, and welcome to The Advantage Investor, a Raymond James Limited podcast, a podcast that provides perspective for Canadian investors who want to remain knowledgeable, informed, and focused on long-term success. We are recording this on July 26th, 2021. I'm Chris Cooksey from the Raymond James Corporate Communications and Marketing Department, and joining me today is our friend Nadine Kassan, Head of Investment Strategy in our PCS Investment Strategy Group, for a mid-year update, potentially current opportunities in the market, and what may lie ahead. Welcome back to the Advantage Investor, Nadim. How are you doing Thanks. today? I'm doing great. Thanks, Chris, for having me. As always, it's a it's a it's a pleasure. Uh, excellent, excellent to hear. I uh, know it's a lot going on there um, in your group. So let's jump in with the first question. And so, you know, for the first half of the year, most equity markets around the globe have performed extremely well. I don't think you can characterize it any other way, including the uh, S and P TSX and the S&P 500, um, both of which have posted double-digit returns. So how do we go forward from here? It's a great start. How's that, uh, how's that look going forward, Nadim? Yeah, you know what? I think um, it's anyone's guess what the back half of the year will look like, uh, but we, we still remain uh, fairly positive, right, for you know, equities uh, as an asset class, um, and in particular, the S&P TSX and S&P 500. So companies listed on both of these, you know, broad market indices. So, you know, what I would say, though, is we're in 2021. Last year was the crisis. Um, and, and this is comparable to year two of the last crisis, which is, let's say, 2010. Right. So mm-hmm. it, it was only the second year of a of an 11 year bull market. Right. And um while there's obviously differences between 2010 and, and where we are today, um, the, you know, the key takeaways that I want investors to really kind of absorb here is that the global economy is still very early in, in this cycle. Um, obviously, uh, different parts of the world are at, are at different points in, in their recovery. I would say the U.S. Is, is probably a little bit further on, maybe closer towards a mid-cycle recovery. Other parts of the advanced, uh, of the, uh, advanced world, uh, Canada, the U.K., you know, a little bit earlier in, in their recovery. Um, but we continue, as I, as I said earlier, to be to be very uh, positive on on the outlook for global developed equity markets and 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 those across Canada and the U.S. You, you know, if we kind of look at the macro fundamentals, unemployment and economic growth has has yet to recover across uh, most of the the regions uh, globally, both advanced and developing, right? And and accommodation is still like we're still getting an extensive amount of accommodation from central banks. You know, right. we're getting a little bit more rhetoric as it relates to tapering or kind of uh, or tightening some of the the stimulus and some of the programs that were introduced last year. So, you know, you know, from, you know, all these different, um, you know, perspectives, I, I would say we're still very early on in the cycle. And and and, you know, we've definitely come um pretty far over, you know, the first six to seven months of the year. And, and as we look forward, you know, my guess would be that there's, there's enough headline noise, if you will, to cause some more volatility as we look forward. And last week was an example. Monday was a, was a deep sell-off and, you know, by the end of the week we recovered, right? So we're probably going to see a lot more of that, but, you know, generally speaking, corporate Corporate results, corporate earnings look very favorable looking out um, for 2021 and even 2022, Um, even though we're getting a little bit of, you know, uh, 
chatter around tapering or removing stimulus from you know the the economy we're still in a generally speaking in a very accommodative environment interest rates are very very low policymakers are very reluctant to do things drastically you know uh, as it relates to their you know fiscal and monetary decisions so you know long story short we're still still positive but expect uh, some volatility um, on the horizon Makes sense. It's never a straight line up, right? I mean, exactly. there's going to be problems, man. Give and take, give and take. And, um, and I would, I would say, even if we, if we look back to last year, June, you know, we went through this as well, right? Like yeah. everything was on the up and up. Okay, you know, March was behind us. Everything was rosy, and then we started seeing an uptake in, 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 in what's it called, infections, and yeah. you know, additional lockdowns, and so on and so forth, right? And so we had this risk off, more volatility, markets sell off accordingly, right? So kind of similar similar tone that we're seeing this year. Cool. Now, we uh, last spoke in June, so a couple months ago, um, you had a pretty positive outlook for the global economy from that point forward. Uh, both Canada and the US, of course, favored heavily in that. They're both well along, as you mentioned, in terms of COVID uh, vaccinations and sort of reopening the economy. Um, but we have this uh, Delta variant out there that's causing problems uh, in a lot of places. Um, and there's been a, obviously a big spike. It's supposed to be more contagious, all that other fun stuff. Um, so has that changed your outlook at all um, with this variant out there? Look, I think, you know, the Delta variant is, is definitely adding to the uncertainty on, on the horizon. Right. And, and in addition to that, you know, there's inflation headwinds, right? Or, mm-hmm. or uncertainty. There's policy uncertainty. There's also kind of geopolitical uncertainty as it relates to the U.S. and and China now, right? So there's, you know, quite a bit on the horizon. This just kind of ha- adds to the headlines. I think sure. where you know where I see things going forward is that even if expectations are, are moderated. So I'll give you an example. The IMF, OECD, uh, in their latest estimates, are still expecting economic growth for, for the globe to increase by 6% in 2021, four and a four to, between 4 and 5% in 2022. So for context, going back to the 1980s, global real GDP has averaged around 3% year, year over year, um, with most of this growth or higher growth being concentrated in, let's say, uh, many of the emerging markets of the world, right. specifically around Asia, right? So, you know, if we look at the, this growth outlook from, you know, the OECD and IMF, this is, you know, in relation to historical levels, one, one and a half to two times that level, right? Right, so right yeah. Even if these headwinds materialize, right? So let's say the infection levels um, as a result of the, the Delta variant spread and lead to some lo- level of restrictions, you know, maybe this does moderate some growth uh, out of these uh, high level numbers that, you know, are being expected for, you know, 2021, 2022, and we get a little bit of policy uncertainty and so on. But, you know, that said, we're still trending well above historical levels. And in my view, if history is any example, and especially the recent history, it, it's actually improves the, you know, the, the argument for further stimulus, right? So there's been, you know, a lot of chatter in the U.S. about, oh, you know, the, the size and, you know, the amount of, of stimulus that they continue to provide. And so infrastructure and, you know, social infrastructure um, 
you know, plans have been introduced by the current uh, administration and, you know, they weren't really going anywhere, a lot of gridlock. And, you know, if we get some softening in the economic outlook as a result of some of these headwinds, including the Delta variant, well, it just kind of increases the chances that, you know, some of these, you know, uh, what's it called? Stimulus plans get pushed through. Uh, right. the White House through Parliament and so on, right? And and, yeah. and similarly in Canada, it just kind of leads to, you know, an extension of some of the programs that are in place, right? So I, I'm still very positive. And I think where I differed at the beginning of the year uh, versus many of the other pundits, if you will, mm-hmm. was that I wasn't expecting, you know, um, a synchronized growth out of this, um, you know, out of the rut that we saw in 2020. And that was primarily based on vaccination access and, yep. and availability, right? So we saw that a lot of the vaccine uh, vaccines being distributed across most of the developed region, US, Canada, obviously Canada had its challenges, the UK. And we knew that, unfortunately, that many of the other developing regions or emerging markets were, would probably not get you know, vaccination um, or vaccines uh, to, a, to a large degree until probably this year, right? And, right. and getting access to it and then actually then rolling that out. And, you, know, it, it, yeah. it, you know, that's, that's you know, a challenging feat in itself, right? So, uh, you know, I always thought that it would be, um, you know, more or less uneven and, and that's kind of um, coming to fruition here. But that, that said, you know, we have a lot of the developed markets of the world that, you know, contribute a big portion of the global economy in terms of GDP um, doing well out of the gate. And, and I think what it does is it leads to, you know, the passing of the baton maybe later on when the emerging markets kind of start right. kind of increasing in terms of their vaccination uptick and so on. So we're still very positive. There's, there's you know, again, it goes back to you know, the, you know, equity markets, right? Like we just expect there was, a, there was a lot of positivity baked into the markets, right? And now a lot of these headlines are, are just creating a greater level of awareness and, right. you know, expectations are just moderating. But that said, we're still, they're moderating from very high levels, right? Both on the corporate earnings front, from an economic perspective and so on and so forth. So, you know, we're still largely positive. Okay. Now, um, you mentioned the volatility we saw a bit last week, and it's definitely been increasing over the last little bit. Um, you mentioned some of the reasons as to why, um, but for an investor, um, you know, what should they look for in terms of volatility? Any ideas for them? Yeah, look, for the prudent investor, the long-term investor that's not trying to trade in and out of these markets, this vo- yeah. volatility is your friend. Mm -hmm. volatility gives you an opportunity to actually take advantage of the mispricing in the market. So Mm -hmm. if you have capital sitting on the sidelines, well, volatility gives you a really great um, entry point into, uh, you know, potentially bargain ideas, right? So Mm -hmm. I think that's my recommendation for investors. Don't be fearful of volatility, rather take advantage of volatility, right? And so again, right, I mentioned some of the key elements that are contributing to um, to the volatility, it pertains to Fed, you know, Fed's commentary recently, right? Are they going to pull away stimulus too soon? Uh, and, and, you know, we've been addicted to this candy, if you will, right? And, <laughs> yep, yep, yep. and so, you know, how does that work? What are they going to do? You know, what does this mean for, you know, economic growth within, you know, various regions of the world? So it's not just the Fed, it's everyone's kind of taking their cues from the Fed. 
Uh, secondly, it's it's this coronavirus Delta variant, right? So what's the impact? Is it going to lead to, you know, uh, the restrictions that we saw and the lockdowns and, you know, the, the adverse implications that, you know, those types of lockdowns had in 2020? Is it going to have those same kinds of implications? Um, and third, are we in an environment where it's peak growth? And, you know, mm-hmm. are we going back towards, you know, normalized levels um, very quickly. So is the best behind us, right? So mm-hmm. if you look at the Fed, you know, I'll just kind of tackle each of each of these, right? For investors, look, the Fed and central banks globally, even if they taper here or if they, you know, uh, increase policy, rates by one or two percent, even it's it's we're starting from a level of zero, yeah, yeah right? Yeah, and yeah. so, and in some cases, it's 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 below zero across Europe and mm-hmm. Japan. So it's like you know, we're starting from a very low base. And so that really matters. If we go up, you know, to 50 beeps, okay, yeah, that's that's a big increase uh, from a percentage basis. But mm. when you think about it from, you know, an absolute basis, it's not material at right. all, right? And so largely speaking, I think even if I take the most hawkish, you know, expectations, okay, so they start moving by, you know, a rate hike in 2022 and so on and so forth, like, based on even the most hawkish or the most dovish expectations, like we're still in a very accommodative environment, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. When we look at the Delta variant, yes, you know, the most prominent uh, variant now in, in most regions of the world is the Delta variant. And it is highly contagious. Um, but what we're seeing is, is not a, a comparable increase in hospitalization or death, right? right? So hopefully that doesn't happen, but that's a good sign. And at least something that we're looking at because mm-hmm. offsetting that is a continuation in, in vaccination levels. Right. So, you know, while we're seeing kind of um, the, the momentum taper a bit, largely speaking, we're still getting an uptick in vaccination levels, you know, largely across the yep. developed world sure. and gradually over the emerging markets and, and developing more worlds. Right. And, and once again, right, I think these starts and stop these fits and starts of, you know, certain kind of restrictions, if you will, I, I think are, are here to stay until we get to hundred uh, yeah. percent vaccination, um, you know, adoption, right. Which I don't think is going to happen either. 85, 90% even though. Exactly. Right. So either the global economy, a portion of it's going to actually get the vaccine and another uh, portion of them are going to actually get COVID-19. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and as long as we continue on this path of getting people vaccinated, there's light at the end of the tunnel. We're not going back to the global shutdown, right? Like that was disruptive. And if we move towards that again, I still, I think policy accommodation is there to support people impacted by these restrictions, right? So they go part and parcel. So if we start seeing that, well, guess what? The rhetoric's going to change. There's going to be more support, especially based on, you know, kind of recent history. That's what we've seen, right? As mm-hmm. as, as the challenges and the restrictions have, have increased, well, the support, stimulus, you know, there's been more, you know, um, you know uh, I guess, you know, it's resonated more with policymakers to come out with more stimulus and be yep. more supportive, right? I, I would say the last point in terms of, you know, peak growth and all this other stuff that we're seeing. Uh, I, I even had a um, an inquiry last week: is are we in a stagflation environment? I'm like, do you know what stagflation is? It's stagnant <laughs> growth and higher inflation. Um, at six percent growth in Canada, it's about six, seven percent year over year. 
historically speaking, you know, these economies have grown at 2%, right? Yeah. Like, again, if we go back to the global economy, grown at 3%, this is not stagflation. Sure, yeah, <laughs> this yeah, is yeah. not stagnant growth, and we're getting inflation. But again, we've seen commodity prices soften. And we, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, we're not in a... Lo- um, a 1970s era where inflation is is running away from us by any means, right? I think um, we're definitely not in that environment, but I think there's enough in the headlines to to support that narrative, right? Yep. So I think back to your point, like how should investors position? How should they think about this? Ignore it. Leverage yep. the volatility. Put capital to work. Look at opportunities in the markets where you know companies are growing. Really good businesses are selling. Uh, for attractive multiples, right? Like you can get a good return, good quality businesses, mm-hmm. set it and forget it. I think that's that's the key thing. Mm-hmm. And two things too, right? If COVID, no one's cured COVID, so it's existing. So the economy has to figure out, the world has to figure out how we can move forward this because it's clearly not going away soon. Um, and, and number two, around volatility, people love volatility on the way up. It's the way down they have problems with, but the way down is where the most opportunity is. So- you know, it's important for investors, I think, to uh, to remember that. Now, if we look at asset allocation uh, and, and, you know, you look into your uh, crystal ball, which we've clarified on numerous occasions, you don't actually own one. But looking <laughs> out 12 to 24 months, uh, maybe even a little longer, uh, what are we looking at in terms of asset allocation ideas? Yeah. So, you know what? We just recently published um, our Q3 um, asset allocation report. And, you know, my recommendation for, for investors is, you know, find the area in the market where there's a rising tide and that tide has a higher likelihood of lifting those boats higher, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. wherever the tide is the highest, well, you probably want to be there because there's a higher likelihood that, you know, you can benefit from from those tailwinds, right? So sure. where do we see the growth? Where do we see the greatest opportunity? Um, it still remains within equities, yeah. right? Yeah. Where are we seeing from, a, you know, over bonds, right? Now, once again, Bonds and, and, and a proxy when we say, you know, bonds or the bond market is the U.S. 10-year yields, right? So in both Canada and the U.S., if you were to b- lend your money to the government uh, for 10 years, you'd get about a percent, uh, 1.2% approximately today. Like, is that enough? Is that enough for investors? Mm-hmm. And if it is, great. Uh, what, what you do get with bonds is you have a guarantee in terms of, especially if you're lending to the government, a high level of, of confidence that you'll get your money back at the end of 10 years. But you'll clip about a, a 1.2% if you were to buy today annually. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is that enough? Uh, yeah. but, but for some investors, look, at the end of the day, there's a purpose to fixed income, right? It's meant to be that um, you know, foundation pocket. Yeah, yeah, pocket of your bucket, your investment bucket that preserves capital. But, you know, for those investors that are either in retirement or, you know, heading into retirement, should all your money be um, or, or a big percentage be in, in fixed income? Because at the end of the day, um, if you have, let's say, a retirement time horizon of 20 years, that money needs to not only preserve itself, but it needs to grow. Yeah, yeah, and it needs yeah. to grow above inflation, right? And if I look back to the 1920s, if you will, or 1930s, inflation has been around 3%. Um, so it's, you need more than that to really get ahead. So I think when we look at where's the risk reward, where do we see really strong earnings growth, um, attractive valuations still, look, at, we still see it in equities. And in particular, sure. we see it in developed markets. Why? Because 
they've been more accommodative, both from a fiscal, like they've, they've provided, you know, income support through the pandemic. They've, you know, introduced various programs to support businesses and consumers. Um, they've been, you know, uh, from a monetary perspective, made interest rates very low. Uh, so, so there's a lot more accommodation within the developed world economy. So whether it's Canada, the U.S., the U.K., and mm-hmm. so on and so forth across the eurozone, um, then they then we've seen in in other areas and and also on the vaccination uptake, right? We can you know I suggest investors look at you know our world and data. You can actually see where we've seen uh, you know the highest uptake and 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 access to vaccination, right? So that that is you know areas that probably have more durability coming out of this crisis, right? So right. I think that's where we're suggesting investors really gravitate to, both from we would prefer equities over bonds, and largely speaking, we prefer developed markets over developing or emerging markets. And you know, there's select opportunities here and there, but largely speaking, right, where we're seeing a rising tide is in those markets. Canadian equities look very attractive to us, right? They look mm-hmm. from a valuation and even from an earnings growth perspective. We're expecting 70, 80% earnings growth year over year. In, in 2021. And, you know, that moderates, obviously, to some degree to 10% in, in 2022. Um, and it, and it's, it's higher than what we're seeing for the S&P 500 mm-hmm. in, the, in the US, right? So, you know, if, you know, our estimates are, are correct, well, you know, there's, there's probably a lot more, you know, runway for Canadian equities than, than we're seeing in the US, right? So, that's where we're seeing opportunities and, and, and we suggest investors again, right? Like have a diversified portfolio, look for opportunities, leverage, you know, leverage, you know, these periods of volatility to, you know, add to really good quality names, right. Uh, or our mutual funds or whatever assets that you own and you've looked at on your and put on your watch list. I think that's key. Mm-hmm. And asset allocation, a majority of, you know, the return and, and, you know, meeting a, a client's, you know, um, what's it called return objectives or goals within their portfolios. 95% is asset allocation. Yep. It's not security selection. It's not timing the market. So be, you know, make sure you're positioned accordingly. Right. And so Mm -hmm. that's, that's essentially what we've been communicating to investors. And, and, you know, I would, I would constantly suggest uh, investors kind of have these conversations with their advisors to, to figure out the optimal mix and, and the regions and markets to, to, you know, have exposure to going forward, right? Based on what we know today, again, like 10-year yields, 1.2%. Hey, historically speaking, that works. Inflation will win. Inflation will win on 1.2. Exactly. So, you know, if it's supportive of your objective, by all means, do that, right? But I, I really, and I've been encouraging investors that I to, to really, you know, take a second look at your asset allocations and, and your, in particular, your asset allocation towards fixed income and, and very, um, you know, very safe type of securities, you know, mm-hmm. kind of reassess that. But yeah. Now, earlier when you were saying the tide is high, I was waiting for a Blondie cover to pop <laughs> out there, but uh, no. Now, so I guess we can summarize by saying the best opportunities for you guys is, is develop markets. Uh, mostly selective in the in, in in maybe some of the emerging markets, but the importance of asset allocation may be your best opportunity. Uh, proper asset allocation for for investors. That's correct, and I think you look again, right? Volatility creates opportunity, and I think investors need to be selective, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, my recommendation for investors are, you know, within fixed income, you know, I use that as an example. 
find where you can get the best opportunity. So is it U.S. corporates? Is it within, you know, this segment of the curve um, right. or with certain issuers that, you know, you could probably take on a little bit of risk, but you get compensated for taking on that risk within mm -hmm. equities. Like where do, where do you see the best returns yep. um, and, and really allocating accordingly. Right. But I think it's, it's a, uh, it's, 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 it's a market that's going to be, you know, um, exposed to a little bit more volatility. Right. And we saw this during the past cycle as well, when, you know, policymakers were looking to now remove stimulus. Well, the uncertainty that, that, that caused, was was a lot of you know volatility mm -hmm. in equity markets and fixed income markets and currency so be tactical um ignore a lot of the headline noise uh because mm -hmm. that's that's all it is right um and and really focus on your objectives your long-term objectives and and allocate capital you know during these times of of you know near-term or short-term volatility perfect and the only thing i'd add on the end of that is you've recently did a couple reports um, on the midway and asset allocation. So for investors, uh, contact uh, your Raymond James investment advisor and they can, and they can uh, flip you those, uh, those documents to, to read um, and Nadim and his team's thoughts. So thanks very much, Nadine. Always appreciate you sharing your thoughts with the Advantage Investor. Uh, hope we can talk to you again uh, pretty soon. It's my pleasure and thanks for having me anytime. Happy to join. The Advantage Investor is now on Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. So please subscribe and rate the podcast. Please contact your advisor with any questions you have. On behalf of Raymond James and the Advantage Investor podcast, thank you for taking the time to listen today. Until next time, stay well. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Statistics and factual data and other information are from sources Raymond James Limited believes to be reliable, but their accuracy cannot be guaranteed. Information is furnished on the basis and understanding that Raymond James Limited is to be under no liability whatsoever in respect thereof. It is provided as a general source of information and should not be construed as an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any product and should not be considered tax advice. Raymond James advisors are not tax advisors and we recommend that clients seek independent advice from a professional advisor on tax related matters. Securities related products and services are offered through Raymond James Limited, member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. Insurance products and services are offered through Raymond James Financial Planning Limited, which is not a member of Canadian investor protection fund.